Hey, it's Amino Hassan, and you're listening to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. Welcome to the Phoenix Suns Solar Panel Podcast here on YouTube. If you are watching us live, we do appreciate you. My name is Tim Tompkins. Joining us, Mr. Dave King. Hey there, hey there, hey there. And of course, the show would not be the show without the infamous Greg Esposito. Oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we really are the Espo show. We're like this Espo solar oh, come panel. Come on. You guys, like, you, Dave, at least you were important to this. Yeah. We could, we could, we could rename it like Espo and Company. You could, and Espo we'd probably get more company. listeners and viewers, but <laughs> I prefer would. the Espo show, but we can go Espo and Company if you guys want some credit. So. Yeah, you know, like it's, it's like when you have one of those uh, uh, bands where it's the name of the singer and you know, whatever, whatever else. Like yeah. Brian Fallon. Hey, you know the band. Close. You know the lead singer is getting full of themselves when they insist on their name being put in separately from the rest of the band after they got popular. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine with that. Hey, I'm. Uh, I'm fine. Hey, with man. By, by the way, shout out, out to Pat- people know where we are. Uh, by, by the way, shout out to uh, Patrick Breen. One of our uh, listeners met him uh, uh, last weekend and uh, just wanted to give him a shout out. So. Oh, wow. That's great. Uh, uh, good plug on the show. Uh, way to move forward, Greg. So taking a look at the West right now, uh, we're recording this on Saturday morning, January 4th. The Suns are now 14-21, sitting 10th in the West. They're half a game back from the 8th seed. They won three of their last four games. Not really in convincing fashion, but regardless, uh, W's are W's, right? Um, that was a problem for the Suns earlier in the season, not being able to close out wins. So uh, beating the Kings 112 to um, 100, beating the Blazers 122 to 116, falling to the Lakers 107 to 117, and finally beating the Knicks on Friday night 120 to 112. Looking at the next six games, or next five games, six games, uh, for the Phoenix Suns, they have the Grizzlies, the Kings, the Magic, the Hornets, the Hawks, and the Knicks. Great this, schedule. This decides it. I mean, I right? I know it's early, but I think this stretch decides whether they remain truly in contention or not for the playoffs. Well, I think what's interesting, so the two teams, because the Suns are, like I said, they're sitting 10th in the West right now. The two teams that are above them, and of course there's a whole lot of teams kind of uh, with about the same record, but regardless, the two teams above them, you have the Spurs and the Blazers. The next five games for the Spurs, two games against the Bucks. They uh, play the Celtics, Toronto, and Miami, and Miami being the second-best team in the East right now. The Blazers have Miami, Toronto, Minnesota, Milwaukee, and Charlotte. So the Suns' schedule, in comparison, to the two teams above them looking pretty good over the next few games yeah the suns uh it's funny every i don't think this stretch decides whether the suns are going to be contenders for a playoff spot or not it's certainly a helpful stretch and if the suns don't do well in this stretch then that's probably going to make the rest of the season harder that's for sure but as we see every two weeks we have a different opinion seems to be on this show on whether the suns are even uh capable of fighting for a playoff spot so Things change, and what's what's great is that after the Suns had, I think out of that eight-game losing streak, the Suns had at least three games that could have gone either way. In the final minutes, nice that the last few games, someone else has melted down, especially Friday night against the uh, Knicks. It was nice seeing some other team melt down, and the Suns not. It was it was it, it 
things even out. Things even out like that. The Suns are an average team. So they got a below average record, so they're going to come back to average. Whether average gets them in the playoffs or not this year is, uh, you know, that remains to be seen. But as Tim says, um, things will probably change a little bit in the next couple of weeks because the Suns will have more wins than their immediate teams above them. I, I agree. And plus the Suns are playing the other teams that are around them. So if the Suns do collect some more wins, like Sunday night against Memphis, then they'll even create that separation as well. Look, the Suns aren't even an average team. They have to take care of these next six games just to even be yes, close. Yes, we know to how much average. you hate the Suns. I don't hate the Suns. I, I'm just, yeah. there's a reality a to this. Hater. You're a Suns no, hater. Listen, a Suns hater. No, the problem, the problem right now is there are so many people confusing the fact that they're within striking distance of the A seed and being good. When you were 14 and 21, you were not whoa, a good team. Whoa, 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 whoa. You were just not. Great, great. I didn't You're say better than good. I'm. I'm not talking to you, and Dave. I didn't I'm say talking even average right now. I just said over on the season they're an average team. So when you're Dave. below average, you're gonna come back to the middle watermark. That's all Dave, I'm saying. Dave, you, you, me, and Tim, I think are in the same ballpark. I'm talking to some of uh, some of Sun's Twitter out there that thinks that that somehow this is a a really good team no, because they're, they're still holding on to the to seven and four. Playing right? and bitch and moan, and they're saying lighten up, pal. Look, that's this, what they're saying. I, I'm this team is significantly better than last year. To put it in perspective. Pal. Right, Chief. they could lose the next thirty games, and still have the same record that they had uh, last so year. At that they're point, good, Greg? They're, no, it does not Why mean do they're pretty good. That when you when you start if they have from to the go basement, on a thirty game losing streak to be as bad as last year, they're better dude, than they were. They're not analogies. pretty good. L- listen, that does not make them pretty to, good. To that makes them better than the crap that they were. To be as good as bad as last year, and you say that doesn't make them better. I didn't say it doesn't make them better. It makes them much better. That's the whole point. It doesn't make them good, though. This team still has a long way to go to be a good team. Neither they're better than they were. They're not They're not a good team yet. When you're 14 and 21, that does not make you a good team. Just because the rest of the back half of the Western Conference is that bad that you're within a half a game of the eighth seed does not make you good. It just means the rest of the competition has played like crap this year. This team has know, a long way so to go to be good. My eyes are rolling to the ceiling. I never said they were a good team. I Mr. didn't Rant, say you did. I'm season. saying other people are, and they're not. They're just not a good team yet. Okay, so um, wow. So why are we even on this weekly podcast talking about a team that sucks so bad? Greg? Hey, we spent we spent two and a half years talking about the worst team in the NBA. Yes, this is much we, nicer than it is. Why don't I we do. appreciate the fact? I do. Why so glum, chum? I'm not glum. I'm simply no, low, low glum. Uh, no, glum. I'm simply being realistic and you sound really glum. Pre glum. Uh, hey, you guys can keep drinking the Kool-Aid, think this is going to be a 40-plus win team. No, I'm actually just yeah. choosing not to hate life. I don't hate life. That's I not just, drinking Kool-Aid. I just simply look at it and go, That's hey, just, I've let's be realistic about it. Diarrhea. I, I look at I look at look at this and go, we have we have changed our expectations so damn much in the last decade that now we look at fourteen and twenty one and want to celebrate just it. Because we stopped drinking the diarrhea doesn't mean we're drinking Kool-Aid instead. Uh, hey, How about we're just not drinking? Hey, look, Devin Booker has played amazing. He is he's all star caliber. Kelly Oubre is impressed. 
This team has a point guard in Ricky Rubio when he's not injured. This is a better team than they were. I'm just saying this is the first step, and they've got a long way to go. And I agree that they have a long way to go, but why be so pissy about it? I'm not pissy about it. I'm just a little simply pissy saying, about it. A little pissy. Right. So Man, you guys are dicks. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, we're the dicks for calling you out saying you're pissy? Hey, you're yeah. good. Yeah, let's continue. Next topic. Bank. Stop looking at me. Look at something else. I don't know where we hear that. Hey. Oh my gosh, you guys, you guys, you guys. Um, That's why people listen my... to this show because what other show are you going to get two hosts that are ready to slap each other through the camera? Not many. Uh, uh, Not many. So, Dave, I still hate you. All right. That's, you know that's, what? I'm just that's... gonna I'm just gonna um, drop the mic in the in the Kelly Oubre special way by headbutting it. <laughs> So that's where Lindsay, poor Lindsay Smith, um, Friday night after the Suns game against the Knicks, uh, she asked Kelly Oubre at the end of the interview to show us his head bob that got him a technical, and he head bobbed right into the microphone. She felt so bad; she was like so embarrassed, she was sweating and everything, and <laughs> and he's just like, "No, it's cool." <laughs> he's got a bigger swing on the head than she expected him to have. <laughs> yeah. I love Kelly Oubre, by the way. I just want to get take a second. To talk about, we talk about Devin Booker all the time because he's the best player on the team. Absolutely, he deserves to be talked about all the time. And it, I think we're going to talk about it a little bit later, uh, maybe on his All Star candidacy. Yes, we are. Uh, so I won't go into that. But let me go into Kelly Oubre a little bit. That dude has been balling out. I mean, Greg, Greg, um, I think you you gave a little bit of a shout out by saying he's he's impressed. I mean, that sounds like you know talking about a rookie. Uh, I think he's more than impressed. I think he's been incredible. And um, I think it was Matt Peterson who tweeted on Friday night that he's he's made over 60% of his shots in the last couple of weeks and um, almost 60% of his threes. It's just incredible. The dude makes big shots. The dude has made big shots all year, and he's making more of them right now. He is on one heck of a run. And I, we just got to appreciate it while it's happening. Instead of talk about the gloom and doom, and maybe just appreciate the fact that he's got he's got four straight twenty point games. Uh, he had he had he had a season high fifteen rebounds in one of them. He's had five assists in one. He's had three steals in three out of the last four games. The dude is balling out, and I really appreciate having him on the team. And when the Sens are are uh, kind of slogging through a malaise, that you know Ricky Rubio is not the most emotive guy. Devin Booker isn't the most rally the guys emotive out there, although he's about the most intense guy the Suns have. He's intense in his own way. Um, Aaron Baines is intense in his own way, but he doesn't rally people. Um, and Kelly Oubre rallies the crowd. The crowd can't wait for the next Kelly Oubre play, and I think it's just so fun to watch. And, and then the crowd has such a good time watching Kelly Oubre play. I'm really excited to have him on the team. So let's give a huge shout-out to Kelly Oubre as the spirit animal of this team before Greg shits all over No, his dunks, uh, he had that poster dunk a couple nights ago. Uh, he had a great one against the Knicks on Friday night. Those things are what tend to energize this team in the second halves when uh, when they're struggling. Uh, he He's very fun to watch. He's hitting big threes as well right now, which uh, major props. The problem right now is uh, you know, we go. Just, the, just the consistency. No, I... I think he's playing at, at a borderline all-star level. But last night against or Friday night against the Knicks, he starts 0 for 9. The Suns have have a rough start in the first half. Just a little consistency 
really helps out. Uh, would really help out those first half slow starts that this team. Kelly didn't suffering. start zero for nine. Go back and look. I'm pretty sure Kelly started zero for nine in the first half, and then had a huge second half with his with his shooting. Okay, I'll look. The Sun Solar Panel Podcast now available on Spotify. Just search Sun Solar Panel. Now back to three awkward guys talking about the Suns. Um, so all-star voting. Not looking good for Devin Booker right now. Uh, the guards out in the West. Uh, Alex Caruso has <laughs> more all-star votes than Devin Booker. And um, I just, you know, I I don't watch the All-Star game. I think the All-Star game is trash. I've thought it's trash for a very long time. There's a couple of fun events, the All-Star uh, All-Star weekend that, you know, the three-point shooting contest, the skills contest is, is kind of fun. I think, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, USA versus the world in terms of uh, the first uh, uh, two-year players is kind of a fun match. But All-Star game is kind of trash. So, uh, you know, I don't really care. But at the same time, it's a problem. Well, yeah, especially <laughs> when the Popeye's chicken sandwich has most, more votes than Devin Booker in the All-Star game. This is a ridiculous popularity contest. And when well, you okay, see those returns, just, wait, you're like, wait, what wait, the this hell? Is just, I just put out an article this morning on brightsideofthesun.com. That's brightsideofthesun.com. I put out an article to talk about this. Um, this is just to name the 10 starters, five in the West and five in the East. Uh, it's one-third fan voting, which is the only voting we've seen so far which Devin Booker has always done poorly in. Last year he came in uh, ninth or 10th, and this year he's one spot higher as far as overall fan voting because the Suns are not on national TV. They're not in the playoffs. Nobody knows what Devin Booker even looks like outside of Phoenix. It's okay. People know what Alex Caruso looks like because he's bald, and he looks like he you just picked him up in a 7-Eleven and said, hey, dude, you want to It looks like Tim played pickup with him Friday night. And then he, he suddenly found himself in, in a dream in a Lakers uniform. Look, it's all right. It's okay. Devin Booker is seen higher, uh, better by media and by uh, players. But even that, all that only factors into starters. Then it's just exclusively coaches picking uh, the reserves. And the first time you make an all-star game, you're going to be a reserve unless you're Luka Doncic who has worldwide support and love and Andy cures cancer and all that. So, or no, it's epilepsy. Thank you. Cures now. Um, and so I think it's just one of those things. Devin's got to stair step his way in. He might have been in this year. He might, he might be named as the third guard reserve, um, fifth overall behind Westbrook and, uh, Damian Lillard after Harden and Luka Doncic are the starting guards. Look, he's this fan. And voting, worry about it. They always do stupid things. Players do stupid things when they do their votes. Media does stupid things when they do their votes. The the uh, local broadcast guys are always voting for their local guys. Um, so it's just a little funky, but this is just the 10 starters. There are 14 other players that are named just by coaches. Now, the coaches voting is also um, it's, it's unique as well because coaches are going to vote in guys that they're most afraid of. Uh, the guys they have to do the most game, game planning against. They're not allowed to vote for their own players, so they're going to vote for other players that that aren't already named starters and um, are the most scary to play against. Coaches, we'll see what they think of Devin Booker. He hasn't really been in the running like this before, um, so we'll see if the coaches feel the same way players do uh, about Devin Booker because the players really like him and they really think he deserves to be there. 
I think it's time to take this the third of the fan vote away. Like, how ridiculous is it? Does anybody really believe that that Alex Crusoe is better than than Devin Booker? Legitimately, like, no, nobody actually like a, a believes a single that. person on the planet. Like, like, no, nobody maybe does it, except maybe except Lakers mom. fans. Maybe his, no, no, the Lakers fans don't think that. Uh, his his mom, his girlfriend. That's it. Uh, even his girlfriend, she looks at that <laughs> hair and goes, "Nah, he's not better than Devin Booker. Uh, he's the, got money, but he doesn't look like Devin." With him is because of the other Lakers and the fact that he's a Laker. Yeah, Certainly well, not because of his hair. The paycheck, maybe too. But well, she's she's cookie. looking at Devin Booker and going, "That's even a better looking dude." I I can't even think that Alex is better than him. By the well, way, I was wrong on the Kelly Oubre stat. You were 100% wrong. It was 0, it was 0 for 9 for the back. Suns on three-point shooting in the Christ. first half. So I apologize. I miss, I misread the stat. So I oh, apologize. That is like totally not the same stat. That's like saying, you know, I DeAndre saw, Ayton had a three-pointer. I that's, saw, that's, that's like the identity politics of NBA stats. Hey, I apologize. Jesus. Yeah, the the ridiculous the the difference is I'm apologizing for being wrong. But on people that. have already tuned out because they think Kelly Oubre nope. sucks now. Nobody's tuned out. <laughs> There's more people watching now than when I said it. Uh, Oubre was four for so, eight in the first half with nine yes. points. So I he, uh, he, he had a steal, he had an assist, he had a rebound. It wasn't as good as his second half for sure. He had twenty points in the second half, but yes. he was not over nine. I was I what was wrong. Sad, they were over let's, nine let's, from three. So let's solidify the over nine from three. The over nine for three is sad because a they didn't make a three in the first half. And they were down by ten to the Knicks um, at halftime, and you knew it was going to turn around. But still, over nine. The the worst problem part about the over nine was the nine attempts, not the over. Um, yeah. The nine attempts was terrible because an average team should average thirty plus. The Suns averaged thirty plus attempts a game. Um, I know that's only five six short of an average, but still. Let's let's make sure the Suns don't forget how to be a really good NBA, at least profile team, which they were in the first two months of the season. They were top 10 in three-point attempts per game. They were, um, for a long time, they were toward the top in three-pointers made per game. And um, that is a much better, better-looking team and much more likely to win when, you, when you're trying to score three points instead of two. Then all of a sudden in the past few weeks, they stopped making threes. Then even Devin Booker stopped trying them. Uh, oh. And I'm glad in the second half they got up they got up uh, 19 threes in the second half and made um, 10 of them. So I really think uh, that was nice to see because the Suns need to still, become, still be a good three-point shooting threat. Well, and apparently they're listening to our friend Eddie Johnson. I love EJ, but... He's been on a, a rant about uh, has, the analytics man. side of things and hating on threes, so maybe they're listening to him. The crazy thing about uh, about this uh, uh, lately, with Devin Booker in the last five games, he's having 33.8 uh, points a game, and he's only shooting 22% from three-point. Like, that's, that's crazy, and I think it's an indicator of why they only shot nine. He's not shooting that many threes. He's only tempting right. three and a half a game. Now, so I, you know, I think that's, wasn't, that's part of it too. Wasn't last year? Wasn't he attempting like six or seven? I don't have. Yeah, the stats he, had, right he averaged me, six but. and a half last year, and almost seven and a half the year before. Um, and when he was, he made thirty-eight percent of them two years ago, making seven, shooting seven and a half. And then last year, he only made thirty-two percent, shooting six and a half. 
he's still at 36%. Um, he was over 40% for a long time. He's just going through a slump, and he's deciding he's going to take himself out of the slump by not shooting them as much. Um, and that's his prerogative. He's he's still scoring over 30 points a game. But I thought it was funny halfway through the game last night, um, it occurred to me that the Suns have always admired the Spurs, and now they're becoming the Spurs with DeMar DeRozan and Lamar, Lamarcus Aldridge <laughs> taking only two-pointers and eschewing the threes. Um, I think they should, they're becoming the wrong version of the Spurs, and they need to go back to being a good basketball team. But how, so, how impressive is it that Devin Booker can average almost 34 points a game in a five in a five-game stretch? Only shooting twenty two percent from three. I think somebody I saw somebody put on yeah I saw somebody put on Twitter Devin De, you know De Booker, so he's he's becoming the uh, Demar Derozan kind of guy. We need him back to be uh, also uh, you know don't forget uh, Kobe didn't take a, a ton of threes. Uh, he had a really really strong mid range game. So uh, this is funny though. Uh, Manny C in the YouTube chat says that he has a DeAndre Ayton bobblehead for sale. It won't stay up and stay up on his desk because it's too soft. Oh God. Yeah, you uh, know I, you know let's talk about DeAndre Ayton for a minute. Unless okay. we're going to talk about him later. We, we are going to talk about him later. We are going to okay, talk about him. Okay, let's go to talk okay. about him later. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I do want to take a moment to thank a listener, uh, Justin Sexton, for supporting the Sun Solar Panel podcast. So if you're watching right now on YouTube, listening on the podcast, hey, if you feel like Justin. you do get – uh, some value out of the show and you want to become a monthly donor, even if that's just $1, we really do appreciate it. But there's a one to $5 and a $10 option. Um, you do the $10 option. I'll personally send you some sun swag. So just look in the show notes below, look in the YouTube chat, uh, whatever the case might be. And you can just hit that support the show button. Yeah. Uh, maybe it'll help make my mood better. Apparently I'm a little pissy today. So, well, wait, you were, in, in all fairness, you were pretty pissy last night, too. We told you, though. <laughs> Screw uh, you guys, all right? <laughs> okay, so stat of the week. And this one, because we're going to talk about Aiton, I think is super interesting. Aiton right now leads the NBA out of 299 qualified players and field goal percentage allowed at 29.8%. I know that's worded a little bit funny, but essentially he's holding opponents to a, um, a really, really, really low field goal uh, percentage. The criteria was uh, 10 plus field goals defended per game for shots within six feet of the rim. He's limiting opponents to 43.5%, which is fourth in the league. And that is uh, a minimum of 5.5 field goals defended a game. Yeah, no, he uh, actually what I've seen so far, of course, he's only played like five games, six games this year. Uh, but what I've seen so far is that he is defending a lot better at the rim. He's using his verticality a lot better. He is not fouling like, uh, you know, so Aaron Baines has a different way of playing defense and it's effective in its own way. Um, DeAndre Aiden does it without fouling. He's actually been very effective causing a lot of guys um, stopping short on their drives to the rim. Uh, he's not perfect. And he's still going to make some changes. But what I, what I thought was really interesting is after the game, on Friday night, um, Aiden talked about how excited he was to play next to Aaron Baines in the lineup because Baines talks constantly and puts him in the right spots. He says whenever he's whenever he loses focus on where he's supposed to be, Baines is always right there to tell him where he's supposed to be. And that's super. It's really, really helpful. Uh, and I think this is in that respect, this is good for Aiden because when usually for the rest of the season, when Aiden's been on the floor, Baines has not. And so it's really good to see to have somebody directing traffic and telling him where to be. 
because as a young guy, the dude is just 21 and he's only in his second year in the NBA and he played on the league worst defense a year ago around him. Uh, so he doesn't have a lot of experience on how to play defense. Well, um, it's good to see Aaron Baines out there helping him do that. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, Deandre Aiden is playing, is playing more physical. So let's talk about him for a minute, not only on the defensive end, um, he's also gotten double, double digit rebounds in every game and a lot of good rebounds in traffic. So he's not afraid to bang down there and to box out and things like that. And on offense, he actually did bang into a, a couple of guys trying to get his shot um, uh, for the first time this season. So I think he's just growing into it. And I think that there's going to be a day that DeAndre Aiden has an epiphany. And one of these times he's going to drive through a guy, get to a, get to the basket, draw a foul, and he's going to realize it doesn't hurt. And realize like Devin Booker figured out how to get fouled constantly and not be injured not be hurt all the time um deandre aiden can figure that out one of these days he is going to figure that out and then all of a sudden his game is going to be different um until he figures that out he's going to be the same guy but i will say the last couple of games he has not just openly taken a bunch of mid-range shots he's getting lower he's ceiling lower toward closer to the basket he's driving he's on his he's he's using uh you know his speed and, and motion so he's he's become more in more uh, interesting on offense in the past couple of games than he did his first couple of games. This is the first stretch where he's played more than one game in a row this year. So let's give him time to to adjust. But he's he looks good in the second half of the last three games. How about how about his uh, his passing too? He had a, he had a couple plays in Friday night's game. One, oh, he drove the lane, looked like yeah. he was going to do what you were saying. He was going to try to take the contact and uh, and slam it home, but realized he was likely going to get a charge kicked it to the corner uh, for a beautiful shot. And then there was a play late in the fourth against the Knicks where I think it was uh, I think it was actually Baines got the block. Uh, DeAndre picked it up a little behind half court and, and whipped it down the court for an easy layup. Like, he's got amazing court vision with that passing. And while it doesn't feel like he's quite – and the team hasn't quite figured out how he fits in this offense, how, how he – We'll get that rhythm offensively. He's doing these little things that are helping. Your point, Dave, the rebounding, this passing, uh, even even his defense, like you were saying, uh, has has been somewhat improved. Uh, he's doing the little things. I think he's going to find this rhythm, and I'm I'm waiting. I think we're going to have that that breakout game where all all of a sudden everything clicks offensively, and and it, it all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. There's the DeAndre and everybody's been waiting for in terms of point production. Well, and and, and we've been commiserating a little bit with um, Greg Wissinger, who is who works on the on the Kings blog and about everyone just lamenting that the Suns didn't take and the Kings didn't take Luka Doncic and they took these big men instead. Part of it is Luka Doncic has turned into an MVP player, absolutely, and everyone should have seen it ahead of time for sure. Uh, but part of it also is that Aiden and Bagley have not hardly played it all this year. And maybe we should watch a few games of those guys before we say they're complete busts, before we say it was the worst possible thing you could have done. Um, absolutely, Let's be honest, Luka though. got better than he was supposed to be. If the Suns had fallen to two and passed on Luka to take to, to take uh, to, to take oh, Bagley. No. Don't say the Kings are worse. <laughs> I feel I feel for those fans at least. At least oh, Aiden was in. For, I feel for the Suns fans and I feel for those fans for yep. sure. But at least there but was it a wasn't debate. Such a slam dunk back then because <laughs> they, we. 
the league didn't know. There's always players who outplay their their draft projection even more than their draft projection. I agree. And people but- thought Doncic would be good, but even Doncic fans did not think he'd be pushing on a on a 30-point triple-double average in a second. No, nobody thought that, but there was a debate between Aiton and Doncic for one. Nobody said, hey, how about that Marvin Bagley guy? We should probably take him. No, he wasn't even in the discussion. So to, to take him at number two, uh, you know, this very much could be like that that 80 uh, 84 draft where you get you get a, a, a Hakeem now I'm not saying Aiton will be Hakeem but a, a good a really good player at 1 total disappointment at 2 all-time great at 3 like that that it Who very much could play two? like that is it Bowie it was Bowie which was injuries uh, yeah. but but very much could play that way or the uh, the Kevin Durant draft yeah uh, okay. kind, kind of the same. Yeah, that was injuries too, though. Greg yeah. Oden would have been really, really good. Um, so uh, something that we were waiting for, uh, I don't know how many people were waiting for it. Um, I know we've talked about on the show is something that I personally actually wanted to see myself because um, watching DeAndre Ayton's game, and I know that Greg has disappointed, uh, uh, been disappointed with me and also disagreed with me at times about this, but I've always thought that DeAndre Ayton plays a bit more like um, a power forward than he does like a center, uh, especially once he finally starts taking some threes, and I think it's about time. Hopefully he will. So, uh, Monty Williams uh, against the Knicks, uh, there was very little Dario, and there was Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton in that starting lineup. <clears throat> And I do have a quote from Aiden when he was asked about it. Uh, I believe it was Kevin Olson that asked him. He said, it's about time. I've been asking them since there was a little rumor, a little tweet saying I'm about to play the four. So I've been wanting to play the four, been wanting to guard out on the perimeter. Remember the U of A, he did play the four a lot of the time. So I don't see why it's this Aiden can only play the five thing. But the results, I thought, were pretty damn good out there on the court. Well, and he was good. Oh, because you only watched the second half. Tim, it's because you only watched the second half. The first half was just disaster uh, because they hadn't even had practice time together as as a tandem, Aiden and Baines. And so they didn't really know what parts of the floor to – I mean, Baines had a better idea than Aiden did, but they didn't really know where they were supposed to be. They got switched out a couple of times. Sure. They uh, what, they got was, confused a couple of times. What was the, the result? Was bad in the first half. It was what, bad what was the first it? No, 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 no. Not what, not what the play was. What was the result of the game? Yeah, I know. In the second half, they got a little bit better. I'm just right. saying they beat a bad you didn't Knicks get, team. You didn't have to. You didn't have to mix the disappointment with the joy like we did. That's yeah. all. Because you watched nice. the second half of the game. It's interesting though. You know, it does. Obviously, it takes a little time for a guy that's switching position to. So hopefully, the second half is more of a, a bellwether for what if well, they continue with this. It looks like, you know. Well, I don't know. Monty said, here's what Monty said after the game because he didn't tell us. This was interesting. So in pregame, we get to talk to the coach for about five, ten minutes um, as a group before the game. And this is before starting lineups come out. Um, I actually asked Monty Williams, I said, is is Aiden going to be moving back into the starting lineup anytime soon? He said, ah, stay tuned. I can't answer that yet. He was going to give us the lineup in a half hour, but no, I can't answer that. And then about five minutes later, I asked, well, it looks like on Wednesday for the first time ever, you played DeAndre Aiden and Aaron Baines next to each other in the same lineup. What did you think of that? And then he kind of smiled and he goes, well, I kind of liked it. I mean, there's good and there's bad. There's uh, there's definitely an opportunity there for, you know, some good things. And I want to see more of it. And then he looked pointedly at me and he said, 
is that the answer you were looking for? And I, and I didn't quite know what he meant. But then half an hour later, I did know what he meant. And so, yes, he was uh, pretending the lineup change. Then after the game, we asked him about that because nobody was able to talk to him since finding out this was happening. Uh, and this is how he described it. He said they've been struggling with their uh, lineups recently. Obviously, as, as everyone watching this podcast knows, the Suns got down by 36 to the Lakers. They got down by 19 to the Blazers last two games with that starting lineup that had been so effective all year. And it was frustrating everybody. And Monty was wondering what to do. And then he got on the phone with James Jones. And James Jones actually talked to him a lot about what DeAndre Ayton could do as a four and how they ought to think about that and think about moving DeAndre Ayton into the four man next to uh, Baines. Now, I said um, I said Ayton would be more the center and Baines would be more the four because Baines is the is the stretch guy where he can actually take the threes offensively. And then Ayton said after the game that that's exactly it offensively. Aiden's the five and Baines is the four and defensively it's the other way around. Um, so I thought that was, that was interesting because because Aiden can guard the perimeter a little bit more guard guys with moving a little bit more. So that's an interesting pairing, but it was James Jones who planted the seed with Monty Williams after the last two awful starts for the Suns, And then Monty Williams just came in literally on Thursday morning, Friday morning, sorry, Friday morning, day of the game and said to his assistant coaches, what do you guys think? And they all said, yes, Let's go for it. Um, and so all the Suns had was one shoot-around, one walk-through practice, because you can't have contact the day of a game. That's just a part of the CBA. Um, so they had one walk-through, and that's it, before they started these guys in an NBA game against the NBA team. And, of course, it looked bad in the first half because no one knew where they were supposed to be. Um, but in the second half, they did get better to Tim's point and they ended up winning the game. And I tell you what, the pairing of Aiton and Baines in that second half did tilt the scales, um, a lot on the rebounding discrepancy that had been there in the first half. The Knicks are one of the best rebounding teams in the league. They're physical. They try to win by rebounding. They can't do anything else very well. Um, and the Suns were able to actually negate that in the second half too. So I thought that was interesting how it came about. It was James Jones idea. Monty thought about it overnight. He presented it to his coaching staff. They agreed, and now they're trying it. Whether they're going to keep doing that forever will depend on how well this this pairing works in reality because Monty's team is also very good at looking at the stats and seeing what really works. There's a reason Mikel Bridges has been playing more lately, and everybody's been waiting for it, and it's because Mikel's numbers are so good and the stats back it up, and that's – and uh, while he doesn't look flashy out there, he's getting more minutes because Monty's team looks at these numbers and they look at the – but the, you have to have a trend. You can't go off one game. You can't go off five-minute stretch. You can't go over uh, off to a 20-minute stretch. You've got to look at a trend and play guys enough to be able to see how they do in lineups. And so, yeah, I think we'll see a lot of um, Aiden and Baines together at least 10, 15 minutes a game for a while until it flames out. And if it doesn't flame out, we'll see it all year. Yeah. So you don't think this was just a particular matchup since the Knicks have uh, have pretty good big yeah. men and obviously the rebounding. This is a long well, term. I think, I think Wednesday it? against the Lakers, it Lakers. was a matchup thing for sure because Anthony Davis being so damn tall and then JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard being right next to him the whole game. Um, absolutely, Wednesday was a matchup thing, and then they probably just didn't hate it. And yeah. then Friday, no, everyone on the Knicks was 6'9 or under. 
So but, it wasn't a good, reba- good rebounding, though, as you said. So that, that was part of the reason to break that seal. Yes, part of the reason to break the seal was the rebounding for sure. But now that they've done it, and now that Aiton is excited about it, and Baines doesn't hate it either, uh, and the team likes it because now Devin Booker has two big guys to to. Oh, by the way, let's give Aiton some shout out on throwing better screens this year. Um, he's been standing in on screens a lot better this year than he did last year, and now Devin Booker has two guys to run off um, his defender uh, when he's trying to score. And, and Booker's been doing pretty well with that. And Kelly Oubre is excited about it too, because now everyone's sinking down to the rim area. And so there's a lot more open threes and, and Kelly's been feeling good. So, so I think it's going to, we're going to see it. So you bring, you bring up two factors here. If we, if, if they stick with the Baines and Aiton uh, two headed monster, there, power forward and, and, and center. And then Mikhail Bridges is getting more minutes Two things. Who's your backup center? That's a big question. And then does this mean that, that, that Dario is pretty much out? We've seen, we've seen his minutes dwindle. Tim, I'm sorry if, uh, if this was where you're going next, but uh, I, uh, you, you've seen his minutes dwindle. It makes me wonder, are we getting closer to some kind of move to the potentially uh, exodus of, uh, of uh, you know, you look at Tyler Johnson's massive contract, you look at Dario not playing a lot of minutes. Is there is there an opportunity here to now make a move because you are having guys fall out of the rotation who may have some appeal elsewhere? Yeah, uh, it's actually, you know, I'm sorry, I know you asked Tim, but let me throw something out there. Monty talked about this after the game too. He was asked about Dario not playing as much, and, and Monty said, it, I, it hurts. I feel bad for these guys because there are guys who are now not in the rotation or not getting as many minutes who need these minutes because of their careers, because they need to. They're going to have long careers ahead of them. And whatever I do, Monty Williams, I whatever I do with them, with their playing time could affect their contracts and their years in the league. And I feel bad about it, but I have to go with what's best for the team right now. And so he recognizes, yes, I think what he's doing is he's admitting Dario's going to get fewer minutes. Frank's going to get fewer minutes. Um, I don't know why Sheck is getting more minutes over Dario. That could be a matchup thing. Uh, But definitely um, the days of Dario and Frank. The Suns lost 16 out of 20 when Dario and Frank were the primary big men. It's too bad they're not getting a chance to be the combo two of the four big men with Aiton and Baines, but we'll see how that goes. Frank has been out because of a knee injury, um, so that's not all his doing, but you, if you count up the minutes, I mean, there's really not much left to go around. I think the Frank, too, before the before the knee injury, his minutes were definitely dwindling. Uh, to Greg's point, it has been seven games since uh, Dario has logged more than 22 minutes. Um coming in and, and playing four minutes too versus the, uh, the Knicks and matchup or not is a little bit surprising. And I do agree with Espo that it seems to be a little bit of the writing on the wall. When you look at the Tyler Johnson expiring deal, when you look at uh, uh, Dario's, um, what it's a team option for Dario next year. Is that correct? No, Dario's a restricted free agent. Restricted Frank free agent. is a team option. Okay. So between, between those three players, you're looking at about 30 million and expiring money. Yeah, and you throw in a, a sweetener too, and all of a sudden you've got you've got enough to to make some kind of move. I guess it just depends on what you what you want to do. I, I see Iverson vlogs in the chat saying Gallo here. I just don't, I've heard the Gallo rumor, and I don't quite understand why OKC, who 
is in yeah, why would is solidly in the playoffs. Yeah. Why would they give up on him? Because yeah. they might. It's not giving up. They might not want to re-sign him. So if if you're a team that knows that you don't want to re-sign a guy going into the next next off season, uh, that's when you trade him. I guess, um, regardless of your playoff push or not. Yeah, I, I guess. So you probably have to include a first round pick because that seems to be what Sam Presti covets uh, covets the most over there sure. in OKC. So. Lottery protected, lottery protected first round pick, and uh, Tyler Johnson. Yeah, and is it? I think it Gallo worth? would be fun to have as a better version of Frank, um, and possibly uh, Dario's a little bit better rebounder than Gallo. I I I I feel bad for Dario because Dario has played well. He's just not a star. He's certainly not a productive star, but he does a lot of little things that help you win. He just needs bigger, better players around him for the team to win. And he's not going to win games for you by himself. But Dario has had a really, I think, a really good season. It's just under the radar because he doesn't post eye-popping numbers. Um, just to bring it back to uh, the trades really quickly, uh, you know, thinking about this, right? There's there's two there's a clear hole at, at power forward, um, maybe not depending on on how much time uh, DeAndre Ayton gets there. But there's uh, two players that there's a lot of rumors going uh, around about right now. One being Kevin Love, the other one being Gallo. Right. So Kevin Love is owed a lot of money over uh, the next three and a half seasons. Uh, Gallo is. Uh, this is the last year of his contract. So if the Suns trade for him, they're trading for him under the assumption that the reason why we're going to trade for you is because we can get you into our culture and we have a better chance of you resigning and we're going to offer you another contract after, right? Maybe, but maybe or they're just that desperate to get into the playoffs. True. Um, could be a rental. Generally speaking, teams are trading – for players of that caliber, though, well, they get the uh, bird they, rights, so right. they want to yeah. they want the bird rights. They want a chance to resign this guy. They want to have a look yeah. at him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but with Kevin Love, um, and I'm a, a bigger Kevin Love stand than uh, you guys are. Uh, keep in mind, he is playing right now in Cleveland with a couple of point guards that will not pass him the ball, and I think that that does matter. Um, Kevin Love, he's owed more money, but it's a guarantee of keeping him for longer. Yeah, words. it's not I don't a guarantee. Want Kevin Love, oh god. The more I think about it, I mean, he, he would be fun to watch. He would not be fun to, to watch next year. He'd be fun to watch this year. You know, he is not a, he is not a bad player. And I, it's, it's surprising to me how much his stock has fallen just because he's been in a Cleveland hellhole with seriously point guards that will not pass him the ball. It's even comical how much they won't pass him the ball. I don't think uh, that's why his stock's falling, though. I think it's the injuries and the big question mark and the fact that he's got that massive salary, which is fine. Like, I think he's – I agree. I think he's a good player. I just think the perception on him has shifted so much because of those two factors, that he hasn't been – he's been uh, injury-prone, and the Cavs gave him a godfather offer because they thought he'd be uh, the star they needed to carry them after LeBron, and they forgot, oh, we need to put other people around him as well. Yeah, I'm doing. I did a quick comparison here with between Gallinari, Frank, Dario, and Kevin Love. Um, Gallinari is the worst rebounder of the four, on a per 36 basis because their their minutes have not been exactly the same this year. Um, Gallinari's getting 30 minutes a game. Frank's only getting 22. Kevin Love's getting 30, and Dario's getting 26. So, so I did it on per 36 basis. It's not that. Um, that disparate on their minutes that, that this is won't work. 
It will work. Um, so Gallinari is the best scorer, obviously. Um, he's got the best three-point shot, and he takes the most threes for sure um, at, at eight and a half a game. Um, but And Kevin Love is right behind him on scoring. He does, he's the best rebounder of the bunch um, at 12.4 per 36 minutes. So he would help the Suns in rebounding. And his defense is not that bad. I mean, Cleveland has a terrible defense, and, and Kevin Love is about even on plus, you know, plus minus net rating, offense and defense. So that's that's pretty good actually. Um, Sharch and Frank are worse players; they well, just are, but not that much worse. Frank still um, averages seventeen point six and eight um, rebounds per thirty six minutes, and Dario fourteen and nine per thirty six minutes. So they're they, these guys are are not like night and day. Incomp- uh, incomparable to each other, they are not that different. Dario just gets you a lot better three-point shooting, a little bit more flashy and exciting watching. Um, and Kevin Love gives you more rebounding and good three-point shooting as well. Um, they'd be better for sure, but are they $30 million a year better? Well, the the weird thing too is, I mean, Kevin Love and, and Danilo Gar- Gallinari are about a week apart age-wise, so they're exactly the same age. They both have had uh, injury problems in their past, so I guess it comes down to if you if you make a move for one of these guys and you choose Gallinari over Love, you're, you're saying, we think we can get him, if, if he's long-term, we can get him at such a significant savings that, that it makes him that much more palatable than Kevin. He's right, going like to be 25 million. Or something. Yeah, he's going to be 20, 25 million a year. They're both 31. When you say they're about the same age, yeah, they're both 31. So you're you're paying guys into their mid 30s, like the Suns did with Tyson Chandler, Jared Dudley. Now all of a sudden you're doing that kind of thing again. I don't really want to do that. That's yeah, why those, I think... guys, those guys were also the, sell the caliber of players. Go to Wix.com today and do it like this guy. And uh, I guess you could argue to Zerk. Tyson Chandler was really good. Uh, he, it had been a minute since he was good though. And he was never – he was always good defensively. He was never good offensively either. Um, right. I, I think if they trade for Gallinari, it's a rental. I think that's a – we badly want to get into the playoffs this year, and then they won't spend the kind of money that it'll take uh, to uh, to keep him long-term. And I'm okay with that. If, why do you, if why do you give up an asset to, to trade for Gallo? Then you don't give up an Be, asset, Because right? you want to get guys like Devin Booker uh, and DeAndre Ayton – uh, in playoff experience and keeping Devin Booker uh, in the mindset of this team will do whatever it takes to get me where we where we want to go, and then you fill fill the hole with a guy that you feel better suits your long term plan in, in the off season. You say, hey, we lost a a, a lottery protected first round pick, whatever. You know. Uh, speaking of Devin Booker, so something we saw against. Um, uh, the Lakers, I believe, for stretch, if I'm remembering correctly, but we certainly uh, saw against uh, shit. Why am I fucking waking on this? Yeah, it's the Knicks. Thank you. Sorry, I'm tired this morning. Um, against the Knicks, Point Book, right? We've been waiting for Point Book really for a while. Um, we're seeing it. What do you guys think? Uh, it, we're back to it wears on him. You could see it in in that fourth quarter that handling the ball uh, kind of slowed down his his offense which he had been uh, he had been on a tear in that Knicks game I, I think we're if it happens in long stretches we're going to see very much 
what we saw in, in previous year. years. It, it hurts his efficiency and his effectiveness uh, on the offensive end because he has to carry too much of the load. And I think it impacts him on the defensive end. He's had a lot of great effort defensively this year, but if you put him as the primary ball handler, it's going to expend so much energy, it's going to hurt him on that side too. Even, yeah, even the sun's small really, stretches though? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I know what you're saying, Tim, and I people – love the idea of this and they want it to work i just in practice it it does wear on devin booker too much i and that's why monty has tried not to do it this year and when he does do it even in short spurts like you're saying it still looks painful um devin it can do it he's it's just not good for him and it's he's not the best player he can be he had 32 points by the end of the third quarter and he only had six in the fourth uh, when the Suns, you know, needed all that big push, they got it from other guys, and and uh, Devin was distracted by playing a little bit of point guard. Monty's problem is that none of these backup guards are taking hold of it. He was asked about that as well, um, and about you know which which would he like to settle on a backup point guard? He's like, sure, I would. Uh, I'm I'm trying to watch my words here, not to be disrespectful to anybody, but nobody has actually seized this opportunity when given the chance. So he needs guy. He needs someone to step up, or the Suns will have to make a trade to acquire a veteran backup guard if they really think they're going to make a playoff push. That'll be the sign that the Suns are in this to make a playoff push this year. Is if they acquire a veteran backup guard, um, and there there are some that will become available. That that'd be interesting. You could just swap Jeff Teague for uh, Tyler Johnson right now, and there you'd have your backup guard that can score a little bit. <laughs> Manny C in the YouTube chat. I, I have to disagree with him. He said Ty Jerome didn't get too much of a chance. I would argue that Ty Jerome got too much of a chance. Way too much. I think he chance. got too much of a chance. We 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 and Monty saw everything they needed to say of him, and that's not speaking ill. This year, he's yeah, gonna right. be good, but he needs a year. Um, like Elliot Kobo. Elliot Kobo, like he looks good in some spurts, and then he looks really bad in other spurts. And Monty clearly doesn't trust him. Javon Carter, he looks good sometimes defensively, but then he commits fouls or he pisses out guys off, and then they start like Dame Lillard. Part of the reason he made all those threes against the Suns on Monday was because Javon Carter pissed him off, and uh, then Lillard started baiting him. And that just all of a sudden Javon was not good. And then offensively, Javon is not good with the ball. Um, So there's just it's tough right now. It's tough for Monty to get consistent play. And we get to laugh about this because these were the starting guard caliber guys a year ago because the Suns didn't have a Ricky Rubio. So, you know, let's be let's all be happy. No, hey, the point guard play with Ricky Rubio on the floor is a breath of fresh air. It is such vastly improved. And I understand the need for point book right now because the the two you know, the backup point guards just aren't getting it done. But to Dave's point, if you are serious about trying to make the playoffs, you need to find a veteran who can fill that role because you're not going to be able to accomplish it with Devin Booker playing stretches as the point guard. You're not going to be able to do it because you need Devin Booker's offense uh, as much as any uh, any other year, uh, you need it now more than ever, and you can't have that efficiency dip because w- one of the best parts of Devin's game this year is how efficient he's been, how well he is shooting, and if you if you hurt that number, uh, it's going to hurt your team offensively. Hell, man, I take a Chris Dunn out of Chicago as a backup point guard. I agree Ooh. with you, Espo, that uh, that as a backup point guard, I take him for sure. Um, I, I agree with you that. Liked him. 
that they they need a, a quote-unquote veteran backup point guard. Um, I don't think necessarily, though, that they only need a veteran point guard. Um, there there are mm-hmm. options. but and, and then it also makes me wonder, too, with, you know, we've talked so much about this whole power forward. We spent a lot of time talking about uh, Sharich, his minutes dwindling, um, Frank not working out. Uh, now there might be some possibility of DeAndre Ayton being able to play uh, significant minutes at the four, as well as obviously have Mikhail Bridges. It does look like Monty likes to play some of those lineups a little bit, but uh, backup point guard um, or even just a, a backup shooting guard that can handle the ball and make plays. It could be so valuable to this team because when you take Devin Booker out, I mean, there's not, and you can say these other guys play these other positions. They don't. Uh, they, they are not shooting guards. The Suns do not have a backup shooting guard uh, for Devin Booker either, and they also don't have a a good backup point guard. Obviously, is there a way we can get uh, Point Bender back? Uh, do we remember that experiment? No, you're right though, Tim. Uh, you can look at at either of those uh, those guard uh, positions and, and find somebody that could really help uh, this team uh, and, and fill, in, fill in a hole. I still think you need a backup big man or, depending on how it, it, it falls out, a starting power forward, however you want to look at that. But, yes, this backup guard position is probably the bigger, the bigger hole right now, especially Ricky has shown that he can get injured. So if you do not have somebody that can slide into that uh, that starting point guard spot in a pinch, you're going to see this team regress again. So you need to fill that if you're serious about staying in this race, regardless of what your record is, you're you're a half a game back uh, of that final playoff spot. So you need to make decisions in the next month uh, as to what you really want to be and what you need to get there. And uh, that backup guard spot uh, is is a glaring hole right now yeah when ricky rubio almost hurt his hip on wednesday night against the lakers in those final minutes um that that could have just tanked the entire season right there if rubio had missed any good time because the backup guards have been so bad um and uh monty williams even like uh i think it was gina mazel with the athletic who mentioned, Oh, it looks like you dodged a bullet with Rubio. And he's like, dodge a grenade. <laughs> you know, Cause that would have just killed the entire season. Um, yeah, they sons really need Ricky Rubio out there, whether he's playing well or not, he's still a good floor general. And, uh, some games he's playing incredibly well and some games he's just, he's not, but he's still keeping the, the guys in the right spots and executing the offense really well. So the, the sons hum when he's out there and they don't hum, uh, when he's not. But by, by the so, way, I I'm gonna I'm gonna expedite the donkey award because it has to do with a uh, with Ricky Rubio this week, and it's not on Twitter this week that we're giving uh, the donkey award. We're giving it to whatever idiot ball boy in L.A. didn't wipe the floor where Ricky Rubio slipped. You could have cost the Suns their entire opportunity to hit the make the playoffs here, and I loved it. Everybody thought that Ricky was arguing that there was a foul on the play. I think he was yelling that there was a wet spot on the floor that they didn't take care of when you go back mm-hmm. and look because th- nobody touches him, but there's obviously something on the floor that caused him to slip. So Lakers ball boys, uh, enjoy your donkey award, you haters. Yeah, and then some people were saying that that's the third player in a week that has slipped on some unwiped sweat off the floor on the Lakers home floor. Um, Iverson vlogs on the YouTube chat. He just said, uh, why do I want the Suns to give Malik Beasley so much? That's a, 
it's intriguing. He would actually be interesting. Denver is not going to give the Suns a good player, but Denver does have a lot of players the Suns could use <laughs> for sure. Malik Beasley is one of them. I'd love that. That'd yeah. be fun. Yeah, if we could just pick anybody, sure, that'd be great. If you, if you know. need a Can willing we participant, have an draft, a digestion draft <laughs> of of a couple of Denver guys who um, they have too many they have too many wings for sure, and they're not giving Michael Porter Jr. enough time. So let's just let's just take Malik Beasley off the hands. I'm hey, good. Sure, <laughs> whatever you don't want. We'll, I mean, I'd settle for Will Barton. Hey, okay, okay. A, ser- a serious. We'll go, we'll go garage window. sale at Denver. All right. uh, there, there has been there has been some chatter. I don't know how real it is. I actually think that this was brought up on the low post, and then all of a sudden it became a rumor. Maybe it became a rumor because somebody was listening to low post and actually said, "Hey, that actually wouldn't be a terrible idea. Maybe we should think about doing this." Long story short, the Clippers, what would you guys think um, about a trade of uh, Zubak for Aaron Baines with the caveat that obviously Zubak is not the the player that Aaron Baines is, but the Suns would then have their backup center position locked in for four years at $8 million a year? No, 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 no. And let me tell you why. Not because Baines is that much of a better player because he's not. Zubak's is pretty good as well in that role. The problem is Zubats is just basically a DeAndre Aiden in terms of awareness and, and how to play and, and what kind of defense, where to be. I The Suns won't stop talking about how great Aaron Baines is as being the captain of the defense. And the Suns are 19th in defense this year, which isn't any great shakes, but they've been doing it with Frank Kaminsky getting a lot of minutes at center behind Aaron Baines. Not because of Aaron Baines, but because Aaron Baines is the one who's gotten him up as high as 19, um, with with Frank Kaminsky being the other center for for a month or two months actually. Um, so no, I think Aaron the Suns need Aaron Baines at least the rest of this year, at least the rest of this year they need Aaron Baines and I really like him talking and getting people in the right spots and and holding people accountable. I don't want them trading Aaron Baines for some another young backup who isn't going to help DeAndre Ayton get better and isn't going to make themselves any better or the guys around them any better because they're out there just trying to poach their shots too. I mean, the Suns already have Sheck Diallo and Frank Kaminsky and guys like that who are just out there filling up minutes when they get out there, but they're not leading anything. Aaron Baines leads stuff. So we need Aaron Baines in the minutes he he plays, um, and I don't want any changes to be made this season. None. I agree. If if – Kelly Oubre is the spirit animal of the offense. That's uh, that's Baines on defense. And you don't want to mess with what as fragile as this chemistry is and how how important we know that is uh, with a team. You don't want to mess with it by taking that major piece in, in Aaron Baines and taking it out. I, I think I mentioned this earlier uh, on another episode of the show, but it would remind me very much of letting Channing Fry walk after that 48 win season, you were just, you're just not valuing right. the, the communication that what he does in the locker room, what he adds to the team uh, and, and just letting them go. Uh, I think that would be a mistake, a major mistake uh, to do that. I just, I don't think there'd be any reason to make that kind of trade unless James Jones has a, a bet on the Clippers to win the Western conference. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So we just killed that whole thing, Tim. What do you think, Tim? You, I, I don't know. Opinion? I I think it's uh I think it's it's the the concept of getting a solid backup center for the next um, three seasons following this one. 
for a guy that you might not either be able to afford to resign, might not want to choose to resign. You do have the opportunity to resign him, but it, he Baines is what, 34 years old. I, although I, I mean, I, I completely agree that Baines is worth a lot more. Um, but I think it's interesting if you can get a long-term backup center who can play, who can't start, uh, if needed, um, is interesting. I think I the Suns could I'm I would I'd rather give Baines two years, 20 million just to stay than um, um, Zubots for, was it seven and a half million he makes for the next each year for the next three years. I'd rather give 10 a year for the next two and make it a team option on year two, but give him all the money a year that he wants. Um, and I think that would be, that would be an excellent way to keep him as the backup center for a couple of years and then he's got a he's got a team that really wants and values his contributions, and he likes that. Um, and so I think I think that would be the way to go for a backup center for the next couple of years. And then you figure out the young backup after Aiton has established himself fully. Well, and if he's going to want it being power forward, like there's so many question marks. I don't think long term Aiton's going to end up being the power forward. I think long term Aiton is a stretch center. He's just got to unlock that ability about himself. I mean, you've got Nikola Jokic is averaging four threes a game, and he's a traditional center, but he's a stretch center, and and he's a new age center. People are calling uh, Nikola Jokic, who looks exactly like, um, uh, you know, a Middle Eastern uh, big center guy from the '90s. He plays modern basketball, and Aiden, Aiden is going to end up being the stretch center with a stretch four next to him. And that's the way it's going to be down the road. And Aaron Baines is going to be the the guy who just makes sure everybody's in the right spot. I just wonder if he's if he's going to be like Amari, who never really wanted to be a center, always wanted to be a quote unquote power forward, even though he was playing the center position. It's just the, the weird things that players get in their head. By the way, Jim Rose in the in the chat, our friend says Kaminsky Cove had, had a big flood, and now there is nothing left but rotting fish. Nope, I'm still there with my floaties on, Jim. So if you guys would like uh, like reduced rates on some uh, great real estate in Kaminsky <laughs> Cove, call me up. We got plenty of lots How left. How far away yeah. from uh, from this is Bender Island? I mean, man, you've got a lot of swampland you're trying I, I do, to sell. Hey, I'm, I'm proudly here. <laughs> They're now boat docks. You you want to dock your boat somewhere? Kaminsky <laughs> Cove. We got plenty of uh, plenty of water property for you. Boathouse. We got you covered. Dinghy. We got you covered. You know, whatever you got, we got you covered in Kaminsky Cove. So so Jim, come on out. We know you got the cash to buy uh, to buy a spot. Uh, all right, guys. So uh, coming up on an hour. Anything left you want to talk about? Uh, um, so I think DeAndre, uh, yeah, well, okay, sorry, not DeAndre Aiden. All right, let's change topic for a little bit. I want to thank everybody who donated, um, their money, their hard earned money to Brightside Night. We have a record 4,248 tickets donated. This is almost a thousand more than last year, which was almost a thousand more than the year before. This is really great. I really appreciate everybody's contributions, and I really appreciate the Suns for matching contributions this year as well. So between the Suns matching and um, our fan donations, we're at 4,248 tickets being given out to this coming Tuesday's Suns-Kings game. We're going to get some recognition before the game on court. Um, uh, the kids are going to be invited to come down to, uh, near courtside, you know, in that in the lower 101 section to watch players warm up before the game. Uh, it's going to be fun. We've got T-shirts we're giving out to the to the kids, 
And uh, it's just going to be a really, really great time. We also have a special pregame interview with James Jones for me and the biggest donors to come in and talk to James Jones and, and ask him some questions about this. What does he think about DeAndre Aiden starting at the four? What does he think about all the developments? And does he want to get a back, veteran backup point guard, things like that? We'll be asking, able to ask all those questions to James Jones on Tuesday night. Tuesday night is a big night, bright side night, 2020. 4,200 kids up in that upper deck are going to be thanks to you guys' donations and the Suns matching. Thank you very much, everyone. Congratulations, Dave. That's that's huge. Uh, I'm very proud of uh, – I know I give you a lot of crap, but I'm very proud of uh, what you accomplished there for for the kids and uh, and showing the, the heart of this Suns fan base as much as Suns Twitter can uh, want to beat the crap out of each other. Uh, it shows that there is a, there's a heart – uh, with these fans that that, that is very large and, and very willing to to offer those in need uh, some uh, some fun. So uh, congratulations, Dave. And can you do me a favor in the James Jones pregame uh, question and answer session? Can you ask where he keeps all those championship rings? I've always wondered where these guys that win multiple rings, what they do with them, because they're not wearing them around constantly. So you should uh, go to the game. I'll see if I can. I'll come get out. you into. The, I'll get you into that pregame interview. If you're you're going, going to sneak you can ask me in. Nice. I'll ask James I'll sneak myself. Uh, Sun right. Sun Security may stop uh, stop me after listening to the I'll, numerous I'll, podcasts. I'll, I'll bodyguard you. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. But the, congratulations, Dave. Very very impressive effort, and I appreciate it. And to uh, Manny C in the chat, no, I am not high all the time. We just do this show so early that I am exhausted. <laughs> That's just what my <laughs> eyes look like. So. Oh, Jesus. All right, guys. Well, um, uh, happy Saturday. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday, maybe. I don't really know if we're doing Wednesday episodes anymore, but I guess we'll find out. Uh, I think we'll get well, back. Well, the last uh, two Wednesdays it. have been holidays. Yeah, and I think we skipped the one before that, too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back on the horse here. Hey, December's a tough month, all right? We'll get back yeah. to it. We'll make it our New Year's resolution and start doing <laughs> these uh, Wednesday episodes again. Yeah, uh, no, it was it was fun, though. We appreciate everybody that uh, joins in and watches us live on YouTube that subscribes on the podcast. It's a supporter of the show by hitting that support the show button that uh, donated to Brightside Night. Uh, but we will be back, it sounds like, on Wednesday at 7 o'clock Arizona time. And just remember, I may look high. But Tim actually is high. Good night, everybody. I'm not. (laughs) Hey, guys, it's Espo back to remind you that there are many ways that you can support this show. Uh, You can start by following us on Twitter, you know, following us at Sun Solar Panel. Leave a five-star review. That's right, five-star review. You probably remember when I used to do that. We might even read it on the show you can click the link in the bio and leave us a voicemail and and support the show that way or you can go to sunshirts.com buy a shirt or you know what there is another way there's i told you there's so many ways to support this show and keep dave with getting his geritol get tim to get his glasses keep me feeding my daughter however you want to look at it you can help uh help the show out you can donate uh, as well, if you click the link in the show notes, you can donate one, five, ten dollars, 
uh, to the show, and it is greatly appreciated as it helps us keep doing this. This is a passion project for Dave, Tim, and I. We all uh, do other things, but we love connecting with you, the Suns fans, twice a week. So support us, sunshirts.com. You can donate, follow us, leave a five-star review, however you want to do it. We appreciate you. And you know what? If you donate 10 bucks, Tim's going to send you some Suns uh, solar panel swag. I don't know where he's getting it. It's probably some shady place that that he knows about out there in Florida, but it's cool stuff, so uh, donate. Thanks again, uh, Greg here, and Tim and Dave also appreciate you. It's Sun Solar Panel. You can support us, sunshirts.com, or leave a donation.